Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Thoughts podcast. And as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're talking to the UFO researcher, Mike Lowland. Just before we get into that, though, just want to say if you enjoyed this episode, any of the previous episodes of the podcast, make sure you're subscribed. If you use Apple Podcasts, please feel free to leave us a five-star review. It really helps. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Literally just type in Paranormal Thoughts Podcasts on either one of those platforms and give us a follow, give us a like, and then you can be up to date with uh, all new episodes and any other sort of bonus content there. Also, we have our blog, which is paranormalthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. Jump on there for any extra links or anything else to kind of post. And of course, we have our Patreon. So if you feel like you want some bonus content, episodes early, or even just to help support the podcast, I also just have to give a shout out to Nathan Libra, who has just become a Patreon. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. All right, let's get into the podcast. So if you have been listening to Paranormal Thoughts for a little while now, you would have heard me mention Mike Cleland numerous times, even if you go back to my very first episode. Uh, that's all about owls, UFO, abductions, and synchronicity. And that's pretty much Mike's field of expertise. He has been looking into this for the past 10 years or so, and he is the owl guy. He heavily influenced the podcast, which I've mentioned before, uh, and I will also mention in the chat with Mike. But because of Mike and a few others as well, uh, I kind of found I started this podcast. So so I feel like I've kind of come full circle with this podcast. You know, I've been doing it for the last four years. I originally started speaking uh, about the sort of topic that Mike was looking into and now finally getting him on. And I've spoken to Mike uh, once or twice over the years as well. And I don't know, we just never kind of did the episode and I'm kind of glad that I've waited because I feel like uh, more than ever now the podcast is kind of at the point where I think it was a really good time to hear from Mike so let's get into this interview with Mike Cleland. Mike thank you so much for taking the time and coming on and speaking with me. Uh, I've definitely got a lot I sort of want to tell you sort of about my sort of experiences and so on which we can kind of get into uh, shortly but I suppose I have spoken about your work uh, sort of very early on when I began this podcast, sort of around that time, I really got into uh, your work and sort of uh, Robin Trish McGregor and so on like that. Just the whole thing of synchronicity and UFO abductees really just came to my life around that sort of time. So your work uh, and Robin Trish's was very influential, I suppose, when the podcast originally started. 
Great. I, I, Rob and Trish, that's interesting because they both have, um, they've published UFO books with synchronicity right on the cover, as have I. So I think it's completely intertwined with the, with the, you know, the, the larger umbrella phenomena of, you know, the, the, the larger mystery. Definitely. I think it's that thing of, I think once, once my mind was open to how synchronicity kind of played a part in abductees and so on, it was just like a door was opened that could never be closed. And <laughs> just everyone I have spoken to since, uh, if they've been an abductee or they think they've had an experience, it's bizarre. I literally just spoke to someone last week and even without having to ask them if they experience any interesting synchronicities, they just started speaking about them and how at a point of time in their life, they just became very aware and it was all so important to the greater picture. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think it's part of, uh, it's not just UFO contact and such. Uh, I did a little essay about a decade ago now, and it was, I think the title of the essay was Synchronicity and the UFO Abductee. And it was published in a, in a book called The Sync Book. And there's, an, there's a fellow named Alan Green who put out a series of books uh, called the Sync Book series. I think there's three books in the series, and I did an essay in it. And at one point, I I had a friend of mine help me. She did some editing, and I was talking the topic over with her. And I basically I was kind of on my high horse a little bit, and I said, you know, um, people who have UFO contact, you know, abductees, they have a lot more synchronicities than Joe Normal, than like <laughs> the average person. And she gave me this look. She just rolled her eyes like you, arrogant fool. Like anyone on a spiritual path will have more synchronicities. And I was immediately struck by the fact that, like, you know, given that logic, then UFO contact is a spiritual path. And that's how roughly, I've, I'm cautious to say it, but that's roughly how I have framed the, the UFO contact experience. Yeah, and I suppose when it's put in that sense, it really does make, I think it starts to paint a clearer picture of what is actually happening. And as you just said there, I, I would also believe that it is somewhat spiritual and I suppose it depends on the, the person, I suppose, and how open they are to their spirituality and so on. But from my research and so on, I think you can definitely look at it in that sort of sense. I mean, I think a lot of things start to fall into place and it's a little easier to maybe understand or get your head around if you do think about it in that sort of way. Absolutely. Yeah. And and there's a book, um, Dean Radin just put out a book, I guess, within the last year. And he's a scientist who studies uh, consciousness and and. And it's the title of the book is Real Magic. And somewhere in there, he 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 says that um, he did a study on people who meditate. And he found people who were beginning their meditation practice. And it was just a simple meditation practice that they could be consistent with. And one of the questions they asked was, you know, was there an uptick in synchronicity? And I think the number was, I'm doing this off the top of my head, like 75, 80% of the people who began meditating noticed an uptick in meaningful coincidence in synchronicities in their lives. So that is a simple, measurable study. You know, it's not, it's not far out. You know, this is just people who are sitting and meditating for 10 minutes a day. So yes, there's this, there's this connection to what we would call something spiritual or something internal or some consciousness aspect that seems to be generating or encouraging synchronicities. It's really fascinating. I, I definitely think so. And I don't know, there's certainly came sort of point in my life where I started to, I think, really become aware of certain synchronicities around me and so on. So I think once you are very much so aware, then they just kind of start flowing through to you more and more so. But um, 
You are known as the Our Guy. That's that's fair to say, isn't it? That is fair to say. Yes, <laughs> that is. Yes, I'm. I get that a lot. Yeah. So I it's I get uh, I have a lot of owl mugs. People send me owl <laughs> mugs and owl uh, refrigerator magnets and stuff like that. So yes. And I know you would have told this story a fair few times. I'd love to hear that. Uh, catalyst, that original event that happened with you and someone else while you're out camping one night, which sort of began your whole journey into owls and synchronicity and UFO abduction and so on. Could you tell us about that experience? In 2006, I was living in Idaho, right next to Grand Teton National Park, which is this beautiful, amazing place. And I was working for an outdoor school and I had spent the summer in Alaska. So I had just gotten home and it would have been the autumn. I think it was October, late September, early October. And there was a woman that was working at the school that was located in my town. And she had been there all summer. And the Tetons is right next to Yellowstone National Park. It's this amazing wilderness area. And I said to her, like, oh, you've been here all summer. You must have camped a lot. And she said, no, I never camped at all. And this is a complete stranger just having a conversation with her. And I said, I'll take you camping. So, you know, essence, it was sort of like a first date in this funny way. It was this may sound odd, but the culture there is this camping culture. That's like the same as like going for a bike ride or something with someone. So um, her name was Kristen. And we went out for one night. It was a beautiful night. The weather was beautiful. We didn't take a shelter. We were just planned to sleep out under the stars. So we went out with very light packs. And uh, we left in the afternoon. And with the light packs, we walked in. And we got way deep into the mountains before the sun went down. And as the sun was setting, we were sitting together on a on a flat rock in this field of wildflowers, just this magical vista around us. It was, it's an astounding spot. And we were having this conversation and I recognized like, wow, this conversation is getting deep. Like this is like, I did not expect this. Here's this complete stranger and we're having this very deep conversation as the sun is setting. And right at that moment, an owl flew over us. And then a second owl. And then a third owl. And these three owls flew above us and flew around us for about the next, I don't know, hour or so, maybe the next couple of hours. So the sun went down, we finished eating, we cleaned up, it was dark, we set our sleeping bags out on the ground, and all this time these owls are flying around us and watching us. And as we, if you lay on your back, you know, and look at the stars, we were both, both of us would, the, the, the stars would be blotted out for just one second, like blink, and it was the owls were swooping above our faces and blotting out the stars right next to our faces. It was so cool. It was so magical. Then uh, the next morning we get up and we're like, wow, that was super awesome. Um, and I said, hey, let's, if if you want, let's go camp another night. So four nights later, we went back into the mountains to a totally different spot. And this night it was a little colder. We had a shelter with us. We had a tent and um, we set the tent up and then it was cold enough that we said, let's hike to the top of that hill and warm up before the sun goes down. The hiking will warm us up. So we walk to the top of the hill. And as we get to the top, the sun is setting. An owl flies over us. An owl lands on a branch. And then a third owl, I kid you not, lands at our feet. And before, the owls were, it seemed like they were keeping a little bit of a polite distance. In this, this Not this time. They were right on the branches next to us. They were right at our feet. And I remember this. I did not speak about this part at the time. I wrote it in a little in a little diary entry, but in the moment, seeing those owls, I had a voice in my head that said, "This has something to do with the UFOs," and the implication was clear. Like 
Like, I was a UFO abductee. So I was seeing just normal owls. And, and I very clearly got that message both nights, both times, in the presence of what I am absolutely certain are real owls. After that, I just got, I kind of went weird. I got, I went like, I totally got obsessed with owls. And I would look up everything, owl totems, owl, owl symbology, owl mythology. And I, and, and Kristen was doing it too. And it was all tangled up in this, like, what's the meaning of this? It was too powerful not to ignore. We were like both, you know, going down the rabbit hole trying to solve this. And, and in that time, I began looking into my own UFO experiences, which I had had some when I was younger and one real powerful event when I was 30. And I would not have been able to look into my own experiences had it not have been for those owls. Like I, I was, like I knew I had these memories, missing time, close-up UFO sighting. Um, and then one event when I was 30 of even seeing five beings like out my window like walking towards the house and I I I wasn't going to go there like I was I had put the lid on that I was going to deny it I was not going there but these owls like started this um I guess this kind of quest in a, in a way to get some answers and I started talking to people I started to reach out to uh researchers and other abductees other experiencers I eventually started a blog and very early on, like one of the first posts I did was the story I just told you, this this uh, uh, seeing the owls with Kristen. But I couldn't remember what she was saying at the time. At the very first owls, that very first night when the first owl appeared, I remember we were having this conversation. I remember being impressed with her and, and, and at the depth of the conversation. So I called her up and I said, what were we talking about that very first night when those first owls appeared? I can't remember. And she said, oh, I remember exactly what I was talking about. I was giving my most heartfelt definition of what God means to me. And like now I was already like on the tipping point of being like <laughs> a, obsessed. And that answer like kind of just like pushed me over into into the abyss in a way. And I was like, wow, like like that adds a depth and a, and a power to this already powerful story that I was not ready for. So I've spent these last 14 years kind of obsessively researching owls there was a chapter there where i where i was not at peace like it was very stressful for me uh and one of the things that happened in conjunction with looking into this owl stuff was this onslaught of extremely powerful synchronicities and and when you pulled on the threads of any of these synchronicities they all seemed to be tied into either ufos or owls somehow so i've said this often like i i felt like like I was worried about my sanity for about between about um, 2007 through about 2011, those years, because the synchronicities were were absolutely off the chart, and I'm and I've met other people who are in that place. Like I feel like I've passed through that. I've calmed down enough that I can that I can be a little more objective in how I balance this stuff out. So I was not. I was. I was frantic. I was in this frenetic place, and I was receiving these frenetic synchronicities. I feel like I'm in a calmer place now, and I'm at the receiving end of what I would call calmer synchronicities at this point. So there, that's it. If any, that was a long-winded answer to a very <laughs> short question. No, that was great. It's I find that original experience so fascinating because obviously you had no reason to 
you know, come to the conclusion of this has to do with my alien abductions. You know, obviously someone who may have heard of your research now after the fact, you know, that's already in the back of their mind. But the fact that you had that just pop into your mind with this person you've just kind of met and you're having this very, I don't know, it's just everything lines up so oddly but so perfectly, I suppose. So it's just fascinating that that's what came out of that. And also um, I was just thinking as you were, you know, as you said, you've been doing this for, you know, over a decade now and it's it uh, those first few years must have been very stressful, as you just said. The idea of you having this experience and all of a sudden you finding all this research and having people email you and get in contact with you with similar yet different experiences. And it just like, even now when people reach out to you, is it, is it just so the normal of them just being like, I've had this very synchronistic type experience and I think it's all related. Like how, how, how do you react to all these stories now compared to say those maybe 10 years ago? Well, it's the norm for me now. I mean, opening my email inbox is basically requires answering a a couple of emails about Owls, not often, not not all of them are connected to UFOs. Most of them are, but some of them are connected to other powerful things. I have to back up one thing. When, like, that that owls and UFOs, that's like, I'm not the first person to make that connection. They show up in um, Whitley Strieber's Communion mm-hmm. and in a lot of other books where people will write a few sentences about owls and, yes. and their seeming connection to UFOs. So I had read UFO books and I was well aware of that connection, but just it was fleeting. So when these real owls showed up, like I was like, wow, okay. Like I knew the backstory, but it was, I mean, you know, if you take a stack of UFO books, you know, there'd be all of, you know, a collective two paragraphs written Mm -hmm. about owls in, you know, in those books. Um, I went overboard and I published three uh, three books now on the (laughs) subject. And I I don't think anyone needs to write another word about it ever again. (laughs) So, um, but... uh, so yes, yeah, so it has become absolutely the norm. So I'm I'm out of that frenetic phase. So people contact me, they ask me a question, they like, you know, what what does this mean? What can you say? And oftentimes I can say, you know, like I, I really don't know what the answer is. And I have been replying saying, okay, the story you just told me that may not tie in exactly to other stories, but there's a similar mood and a similar flavor. And I, I can share other accounts that people have sh- shared with me. And and basically say you are not alone. Yeah, like these these stories. Here, I'll tell a real quick one that just came in recently. I have permission to tell this one. Yeah, go for it. This doesn't have anything to do with UFOs, but it has everything to do with the sort of mood and tenor and flavor of these stories. This guy contacts me. He said, as a young boy, he was growing up in Michigan and he lived um, on an Indian reservation, and he was a Native American. This very very small reservation in in the lower peninsula of Michigan. And as a boy, he would fly kites, and he was, like, really into it. He had this really um, high-end kite that they would use in competition, kite competitions. And for some reason, like, the kite got got pulled by a strong gust of wind, and he lost the string, the little ball of string that that he was holding in his hand. And the ball of string and the kite, like, flew off into the woods. So the next day, he said, I got to get that kite back. Like, so, I'm, so him and a friend went into the woods to look for the kite. They found it. It was high up in a tree. And they went, they looked up at the tree and they walked to the tree and they found an owl at the base of the tree that was all wrapped up in the string. Like it was going to die. It was totally trapped in the string. They were young. They were little kids. They, they got an adult to come back and they helped, this adult helped them cut it free. And they took it to a, um, a rehabilitation center. So they rescued this owl. 
Now, he told me this story. The very first question I asked was, are you a shaman? And and he replied, uh, like you could tell I caught him off guard. Like, and I I just blurted that out. And and, and he said, yeah, it, in a word, yes, I am. Like he eventually became a Native American shaman. And the, like having an owl experience like that is well understood within, you know, um, cultures that, that uh, have, like that still take shamanism seriously. So that was why I asked it. So here's this, I mean, this is like a fable. Like a little boy loses his kite. When he finds his kite, he has entrapped an owl and he rescues this owl. It's a, it's like on this very subtle level, it's a beautiful, powerful story. Definitely. And just going back to people reaching out to you and so on, I must say, and I'm sure you already know how much people appreciate that because that's the thing, as you just, you kind of said that people just need to be heard. People have these experiences and a lot of them don't have anyone to turn to, right? So if, you know, someone like yourself is so open about, you know, all of your research and the fact that it is so easy to get in touch with you and it's just that thing of you being able to tie it back to another experience and I don't know, it's just, I think it's so good for people just to know that they've been heard and that they're not alone. So it's great that you are able to do that and you still continue to do that today. Well, and I also, I flub a lot, you know, like I get like a good backlog. Like if I don't reply to the, to the message that day, then I forget about it and it just, just scrolls to the back of the, of my email inbox. And so I, I, if anyone out there is listening and they have tried to get a hold of me and they couldn't just try again. So I, I apologize. It's tough. <laughs> I can imagine. For a while, I was getting one a day, one good story a day. It has eased off a little bit, and I'm glad because <laughs> it was too much. <laughs> like you know, I it was just it was I couldn't keep up. And I take him. I try to take him seriously and write a thoughtful reply. Often I can't, and I can just write a thank you. And for a while, I tried to send a um, like a form letter, and that didn't work at all. I just didn't. It wasn't in me. I did it. And I just, I abandoned that. So I try to answer them and I try to do my best. And oftentimes some, you know, I've had, you know, sometimes I'll have to, we'll talk on the phone and such. So, but uh, it has, so what has happened is I have, um, I have a way that I archive and file them. You know, the way I, I create a document, I put the email in the document. Oftentimes the email turns into 20 emails by the time you go back and forth. Uh, and, and so I have... I'm going to be cautious to say how many I have. I'm going to say well over a thousand very powerful stories. There's like kind of a, there's kind of someone says, oh, you know, I saw an owl when I was driving down the road. It was really beautiful. Like oh, those don't count, you know? So I'm, I'm looking for the ones that like, you know, kind of make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. And so I've got about a thousand of those. What conclusion have you come to today with why owls? Why are they so symbolic? <laughs> <laughs> that is the question. There's four answers that I've come up with. One is that owls are an alarm clock. Okay, so they're, they're, they are simply there to wake you up. And that would be my experience in a way. Like, that, like, like I was in denial. These owls showed up. I had this message. The title of the book is The Messengers. And the reason I titled the book The Messengers, uh, the first book, was that uh, like people would say, like, oh, I had this owl experience. And then halfway through their letter, they would stop referring to the owl as an owl. And they would simply call it The Messenger. You know, the messenger landed on my roof and then, you know, it, it was consistent. So, so that was an easy, that just, that just pattern just showed up and it's it very seems clear. very appropriate, I must say. 
it's a beautiful, I mean, the owl is like steeped in this mystique. It's a mysterious bird. It's steeped in mythology. It's, it was a, yes, it was wonderful, wonderful. I mean, so I actually, as being the owl guy, like I'm, I'm really grateful that like this absolutely engaging, mysterious thing has invaded my life. Uh, It's been so exciting on so many levels. So uh, your question was why owl? So that one would be that it's an alarm clock. Another one, it would like the owl in a lot of traditions is the totem animal of a transformative experience. And I, and I having done all this, so I, I'm at the point now where I say that the owl is the, the symbol. Like the owl shows up, it's symbolic of a transformative experience. I mean, like a UFO contact would be a transformative event, right? It, would, it, it transforms your life, it changes your life. So the owl is, is like a, just a totem of that or a symbolic of that. And uh, also it shows up a lot, as I said before, in, uh, at the point of shamanic initiation. That's very consistent. And um, other, I'm not, I didn't come up with that. Other people have written about that extensively. And, and then, um, you know, so the owl would be symbolic of a sort of initiation. And then, then after that, I have to just back off because I, I truly don't know. But that is, that is what's floating to the surface as far as in the patterns that I'm seeing. Yeah, I definitely think, well, as you said, you can't really, you don't know, right? No one really knows. But I think those are very reasonable answers. And I could totally align myself with those answers. So, and I think a lot of people, and that's the thing, it is that thing of why owls. And I know, uh, I think you've even spoken about, it's they're even the symbol of wisdom. When you're in the presence of them, they are just so, sometimes you can get almost like this eerie sense, I think, but uh, it's often, it's just very powerful. And I don't know, it's just unlike anything else, I think that I've sort of ever been in close contact with. Oh, oh, absolutely. Everyone recognizes it. I mean, even people like that see an owl on the fence post in their backyard, they're like, wow, like that bird has a majesty and and an intensity that like, like everyone recognizes that. And I would say everyone from the dawn of man would recognize that eerie intensity. So your birds are twitchy, you know what I mean? Like little birds are like, they have this twitchy quality and you, you know, owls don't have that. And the reason they don't have that is because they, um, their eyes are so big that they that their eyes have changed. They're like uh, they're not little eyeballs like we have. They're not spheres in their head. They're they're like little cylinders because they're meant to collect light at night while flying at night. So owls can't turn their eyeballs right and left. Right, you know we can do that. We can look straight and then or face our head straight and look our eyes right and left. Owls can't do that. They have to turn their head. So um, they have this what's called neck stability. They have this very eerie way they can turn their head. <clears throat> and everyone recognizes that strangeness, that it just is not like any other bird. And one step back, the uh, Athena, the Greek goddess of wisdom, was the uh, had a companion little owl in her artistic renditions. So she was always shown with an owl, often on her wrist. And so that's where that's where we get the wise owl. Can you talk a little bit about screen memories and just explain what that is and how, I know there's a fair few different animals which uh, have sort of fallen into this, but specifically owls, how they've fallen in with the screen memory phenomena. Well, so there's two, owls and deer are at the top of the list. Those two seem to be, and then after that, there's any number of animals. So so here's a very typical story. Um, oh my God, I've got, I've got, like this one I get all the time. So someone's driving down the road at night and they 
see a big owl in the road. And oftentimes they can pull up to the owl and it can look over the hood of their car. And, and the owl, they say, oh, the owl is about four foot tall. And uh, there's no owl on earth that can get to be four foot tall. Man, if an owl got to be 30 inches tall, that would be monumentally gigantic for an owl. Uh, so they see this owl, they kind of take note of it, they get home, and then they might be have two hours of missing time. I was supposed to be home at midnight and it's two in the morning. What happened? They might go through hypnotic regression. The hypnotherapist would say, okay, describe this owl. And they'll say, hmm, okay, the owl is skinny. It's got a bald head. It's got big black eyes. It's wearing this tight-fitting uniform. And I don't think that's an owl. This is, in the books, I had to get this out of the way early because uh, it's very consistent in UFO reports that people will say, like, I saw an owl later. That was the moment of UFO contact. What they're describing, a four-foot-tall owl, doesn't exist. There seems to be a form of hypnotic projection, a form of psychic deception that takes place on the part of what is most probably a gray alien. This is all very murky because it's hard to prove any of this, but it's very consistent in the reports as well as in, uh, especially in the um, hypnotic regression accounts. Now, hypnotic, hypnosis is very, it's a contentious subject within the UFO field, but I have one woman who who had a lot of contact experiences. They all happened at night. She was working at a summer camp for girls and she was walking between two buildings. It wasn't like she was off in the woods or anything like that. She had to kind of walk between two buildings and it kind of went through a field and she could hear girls playing in the background and stuff like that. So she comes around a corner between these two buildings and there's a gray alien standing next to the path and she sees it and it sees her and, and she realizes she caught it off guard and this thing looks at her and, and and I've talked to a lot of people who've had these kind of experiences, and there's this kind of um, telepathic communication that takes place. It doesn't, nobody, like, aliens don't move their lips when they talk. It's all done telepathically. And she got into this, like, echoing reverberation where, where all of a sudden she, she sensed this being was saying, like, owl, 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 owl. And she watched this gray alien with a bald head, full daylight, morph into an owl. And then it turned around and ran into the woods. Big crashing noises as it ran into the woods. This is this is completely remembered without hypnosis. So the implication is that it's somehow that these beings can put a an impression into the mind of the observer. Uh, and it's not always owls. Sometimes it's um, firemen. Uh, raccoons show up a lot. Um, squirrels actually show up a lot too. Uh, Jesus shows up. Clowns. So there's a lot of things that uh, that can have that can show up as a screen memory. and um, But the observer remembers it not as, as the real image of a gray alien, but as some sort of psychic deception. I find that so fascinating and it makes total sense. As you said, an owl is the perfect earthly bound type creature, you know, with the large eyes and they're not too out of place in a lot of sense either. So it does just make a lot of sense. So I remember finding out about screen memory quite some years ago and just going, oh, well, this this is a, this could explain, I think, a lot of people's experiences. And I know, as you just said, it comes up time and time again uh, within your... Re- if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Search. Well, that's also a lot of people say fear of clowns is a very common fear. Yeah. And then if like clowns show up a lot is scream memory, like little kids will like, you know, like, oh, I woke up in my bedroom and there was a clown standing next mm. to my bed. You know, that through more research and possibly hypnosis, that turns out to be a, a alien contact experience. So, you know, a lot of researchers have said like, hey, I think like, when people have fear of clowns, like that's, is that, what is that implying? Um, that's sort of a purposely provocative thing because it's like how do you actually research something like that but it, it is something that that you know around the bar at a ufo conference you know you get two researchers talking about this stuff this that's that's what comes up yeah of course so i i think i came across your work in probably 2016 so this was a few months before i started this podcast and i was watching a lecture uh, that you did that was recorded online and it was probably a good maybe two hours or so. And I just remember I put it on and, I, you know, the title must have been something along the lines of, you know, our synchronicity and UFOs. And I think from just my previous research, you know, ours come up time and time again. But as you said, very, very sort of just here and there, nothing too in-depth. 
and I thought, oh, this is actually, yeah, I want to hear a little bit about this. And I was glued to the to that particular uh, talk that you did. I, I think I stayed up and just watched it in all in just one go. And I don't know what it was, but it just started to really speak with me. And I remember really getting into that sort of part of research. And then also, as I mentioned earlier, Robin Trish McGregor with their synchronicity and so on. And I, I found synchronicity at that sort of point to be very fascinating. And I hadn't really researched, I suppose, much about how much synchronicity goes on within abduction. And, you know, a lot of a lot of paranormal aspects have a ton of synchronicity. So that really opened up my mind, I suppose. And then I started the podcast and this is probably maybe two months in or so. And I was doing the sort of night shift. So I was coming home very, well, very early in the morning, I suppose you could say. And I didn't have a aux cord or USB cable in my car. So I was literally burning CDs with podcasts on them just so I could, when I was doing my daily route, I could just chuck a podcast on the, in, on the car. But the thing was, I wasn't really titling these CDs. So I was literally just kind of picking random discs off the floor of the car, whacking them in. So I started driving home. And also I have emailed you <laughs> quite, I think a little while after this experience and you did reply so, oh, good for me. Good yes. For me. Yeah, yeah. Like, when you said that, I was like, whoa, I hope I replied. Yes, you did actually, which is funny. I mean, we did speak about uh, the podcast and so on, but at that time it was still very new and I was like, if I'm going to have, you know, Mike Cleland on, I kind of want to, you know, flesh out the podcast a little bit and kind of, you know, get get what I'm sort of doing sort of together, get my shit together, I suppose. So um, anyway, back to this particular story. So I'm driving home and... I recognised the particular interview I was listening to and it was with Robin Trish McGregor talking about uh, their book Aliens in the Backyard and that heavily, that interview heavily focused on synchronicity and I remember those two months earlier listening to that podcast about, you know, alien abduction and synchronicity and going, this is a really fascinating discussion and it really was playing over in my mind and as I said, this is kind of leading up to starting the podcast and just I was really in a weird sort of space of mind where I was like I've got all these thoughts on the paranormal and especially abduction and UFOs I just want to start talking about that I don't know if anyone's going to listen or what kind of have you but I just feel like I need to do this so as I said I'm driving home and I'm about 10 minutes from uh, getting back to my parents place and as I said it's very early in the morning there's no one on the road whatsoever and about 10 minutes from home and I start to think about a thought that popped into my mind earlier that day uh, from another interview I was listening to where uh, I can't actually remember what the interview was but uh, the researcher was asked the question, have you actually experienced any abduction phenomena? And she just simply answered, well, if I have, I don't remember. I thought, oh, that's actually a really interesting answer and I was thinking about that on my drive that, what if I potentially have had an experience, but I just have no memory and I've never really thought about it. But there's no reason for me to think I'd had any experience or anything, but I guess it was just that sort of gut feeling or just having the interest, I suppose, a little bit more than maybe others. I don't, I don't know. There's just sort of something. So I continue driving and I'm about two minutes, uh, not even from literally my destination. And for whatever reason, I just look to the right side and I see an owl sitting on a street sign. I thought, 
well, that's really weird. I'm okay. So I just pull over and get out and I walk over and there's this little owl sitting on the street sign. And I think I did say something to it. I can't really remember. It was something probably along the lines of, all right, I'm, you've got my attention, you know, I'm, I'm listening. And then the owl flies off. I'm like, okay, get back in my car. And I was like, well, oh, that was really weird. And then I started to play over those events uh, in my mind of I'm listening to Robin Trish talking about synchronicity, which kind of led me on sort of my whole path and also then kind of got me onto you as well because you have obviously spoken, uh, I believe they've come on your podcast and so on. And I'm driving home, listening to that, thinking about whether or not I've had an experience. And then next minute, there's this owl just sitting on the street sign and I just started to think, well, that's that's a pretty big synchronicity. In all honesty, that's sort of just, you know, unfolded in front of me. And then for the next few days, I continuously had these little synchronicities. I had a very vivid dream of abduction, which I don't often dream about, but it was very, very vivid. And I recently told someone about it and it's very much so that like... Uh, hair on the back of your neck kind of it's it's uncomfortable to kind of think about because it was just so surreal yet familiar I guess would be the way to describe that Um, my partner actually woke me up uh, early one morning and she's like you're you're dreaming about abduction right now aren't you I was like well what how did you know she's like you just you you were just so I can't remember how she explained it, but I was just in a really weird sort of state. I even went to, this is a really odd one, but I went to a fabric shop and they had these like iron-on patches, which you'd, you know, iron onto your clothes. And literally mm-hmm. right, I was just, I was, you know, I had no place being in this fabric shop. I was there with my girlfriend. So I'm just kind of wandering around and I'm looking at these patches and I was like, oh, look, there's like little aliens and UFO patches. I and mean, right next to that, there were the owl patches. I was like, oh man, like what, what is this like trying to tell me? And then the biggest thing that sort of topped off that week, so I believe the event happened on Friday morning. I mean, this would have been Sunday night. I went for a walk with my girlfriend and my mum. The only two people I had mentioned the experience to and kind of all these weird events that were kind of happening. And I just thought to myself, didn't say it out loud, that wouldn't it be wild if we saw an owl on this walk and we get to literally where I saw that owl. I took them to that location And then just in front of us, this owl just swoops down to almost say, I'm here, and then lands in a tree. And I was like, you you both saw that, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we we definitely did. And I was like, honestly, I kind of wanted that to happen. I was sort of thinking to myself, I wanted that to happen uh, to the two people who I've sort of, you know, expressed these events to. And then since then, ever since then, there's always been very weird synchronicities with owls and UFOs and so on for me uh, and then obviously speaking with people like on this podcast or just you know reaching out to other people the amount of people who then say yes they've had weird synchronicities involving owls and so on it's just it really I don't know it definitely opens something that has uh, never been closed for me I, I remember your letter now here's the question do you remember what was the sign what, what did it say on the sign See, now I, I remember you asked me that originally and it's the the name of the street, which is, I don't live there anymore, so I can say it, uh, was Kaiser Drive. Uh, and I believe it's the last name of oh, someone influential around that particular area. So the sign didn't necessarily mean anything, but I do remember you saying that there's definitely something to take away that this owl sitting on a sign which is meant to give direction. 
Well, signpost, sure. I mean, yeah. that's exactly, you know, it's on a, that's, that, that's a term you use. You're like, oh, I'm looking, you know, that's a signpost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was definitely, what I took away from that is I still don't know if that necessarily answered my question that I was thinking at that time, but I definitely thought, okay, I need to spend more time on this sort of research. And then I, I took that and sort of put that into this podcast and started to reach out to other people and let them tell their stories and just try to, I suppose, make a difference, I suppose, within this whole paranormal kind of realm. So that's that's sort of what I took away is that I need to be doing this. I kind of already had that feeling and then that sort of was the thing that just put the icing on top of the cake. I've, I've got a lot of so I remember that letter. Yes, when you as soon as you started saying it, it's like, oh yeah, you're the guy that was starting the podcast. It was about four or five years ago. Yeah, and the um, I've gotten a lot of letters where people were saying like, I'm in the middle of a big life decision. Like, what do I do? And an owl, they have a powerful owl experience, and it changes the direction of their life. It changes the direction of their life. I mean, I, f- I feel funny saying that because I because like I I'm, I do these talks and I say like you know people can have an owl experience that will change the direction of their life. And I don't know if people in the audience really recognize that I have collected a lot of stories where people share exactly that. Somebody's going to quit his job and he wants to, This I just got a letter recently. He wanted to work with children and he had this, to, work, to teach music to children. He had this corporate job. He said, I don't like the corporate job. I want to teach music to children. And and he said, "Is this? It's like I'm going to take a huge loss in my income. It's the stupidest thing in the world. I've just, you know, my my." And so he's trying to make this decision. An owl flies across his windshield. And then later he was started pursuing this. He quit his job. He's starting to pursue it. It's totally hard for him. And he has this thought. It's like, oh my God, did I make the mistake? Did I make a total mistake, like changing my life to follow this dream, to follow my heart? And as he has it, this owl flies past his windshield and lands on a tree. He stops the car and goes and talks to the owl, basically saying like, okay, thank you. I got the sign. I understand, you know? So this is, and I say this again, I think this is normal. I think this has been happening all throughout human history. And and we just simply don't have a place for it. Like turn the clock back, there would have been, you know, a few hundred years, it would have been some funny person that lived out at the edge of the village that you could have gone and talked to about these kind of esoteric spiritual matters. We don't have that person anymore. In a way, it's me. And I'm actually very poorly suited because I'm like, I'm, you know, like I was raised in this kind of Western culture and I've had to, I've been pulled into this realm. So I'm answering these questions oftentimes by saying, I don't know is a way to answer these questions. But, but I'm saying that this is the experience you had. I'm saying this is normal, but we don't have a place in Western society to to address it yeah it is just so interesting as you just said there it it is definitely happening but the only thing we can do is take the message that we think best suits and that's kind of what i did it sounds like that's what a lot of people have done it's just so fascinating i think that just time time again these strange events happen and as you just said like someone you know changing their whole life career sort of you know based off this moment and me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but it's the same time it's, and it's been, you know, I've gone through this last, whatever, we're all on lockdown. The whole planet's on lockdown. So I, I uh, am working on an audiobook for the first book, The Messengers. So I had to go through the manuscript 
to change it a little bit. There's techniques you do to clean it, to give it to the voice artist. And then I'm also pretty good at audio editing, doing all this stuff. So I've been audio editing, I think it's like 17 hours of, you know, basically the pauses and getting rid of the little breath noises that the reader makes and such. And so I have been listening with headphones and this guy speaks very slowly and very clearly. So I have listened to 17 hours of the book twice listen to it once you do your first pass and then you edit it again and i feel like i am so like i'm so in awe of these stories and, you know i've just been immersed in in this lockdown in this time of like holding up we're all going into our collective cave for some point of time now everyone on the planet is and i have done it listening to my own work and it has been like i'm really heartened by the stories that that emerged, right? So you write a big book, you put it away, you kind of forget about it, and then you 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 immerse yourself into it again six years later, and I'm I'm astonished at the at the uh, the power of the stories. That must be a really interesting take. Hearing your work uh, all these years later and just really reestablishing of wow, like these and that's that's the thing, isn't it? Most of this book is people writing into you or speaking with you, and you've you know, and you've got three books worth of this material, like that must just really just reinstate. You don't necessarily know what's going on, but it's going on. It's going on. Yeah. I have, I've long ago, I've like given up, like I've, I've bought in on something's happening. Like, the, you know, what, what the, what the source of that is, it's a little, you could, we could dance around that all night and, and, and come up with all kinds of, uh, of speculate on all kinds of things. We'll never quite know. What I can say is that, um, like I have had to loosen up. I have had to step back from my intellect and and go much towards much more i have to trust my intuition much more and trust my um, my gut feeling much more um people i've had some criticism where people say well you're not being scientific and i say like what do i care i'm not a scientist right you know i don't i'm i'm not beholden to any scientific rigor in my studies i'm like i i do try to be journalistic rigor in a way where i'll i'll be very cautious to publish something or talk about it unless i have I see it as a pattern. I did not expect it going into the work. Like, mm. there, like if you look up UFO abduction books, like there's some scary, dark stuff. Yeah. Like it's not love and light. You know, a lot of these stories are. But I am looking at one corner. I've been completely obsessed in one small corner, which is the owl stuff. And what I'm finding is the stories connected to the owl. There's some dark stories. There's some foreboding, creepy stories in the in my book but on the whole the there is a buoyancy and an optimism connected to these stories which i did not expect going into it where i you know i like there's a spiritual side to this that i did not expect and that that i'm i'm heartened that i can i can share these stories i can definitely say from reading your work and hearing you speak as well, it's definitely, and as you said, there are some more sort of frightening aspects, but all in all, I came away with a very like optimistic view and a very enlightened view would be my sort of way of expressing it and very just hungry to learn more because it just, I don't know what it is, but it's just so fascinating. I think anything tied up with synchronicity because it's just, it's you can't deny it. If someone's having these very meaningful events just one after the other, it's like, well, then how can you, how can anyone then say, they can't tell you that you're not experiencing that because that's completely 
to you. And I think it's a great key for someone just to go, well, you know what, this is what this means to me. And this is what I'm now going to continue on through life with either ignoring it or, you know, maybe taking it on board and somehow changing your direction or just benefiting yourself. Well, that, so I, there was one researcher, his name is Micah Hanks. He's a good friend of mine mm. and, and I can give him a hard time. And I did an interview with him and, and I said, Micah, have you ever had any of your own experiences? And he's a UFO researcher, paranormal researcher. He's like, nope, never, nothing, nothing unusual has ever happened at all in my life. And a few minutes later in the, in the, um, interview, I say like, Micah, have you had any synchronicities? And he goes, I have synchronicities all the time. I have these powerful, amazing synchronicities. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I asked you earlier, if you have any paranormal experiences in your life and you say no. And then you say you have synchronicities all the time. And, and, and why is a synchronicity any less powerful or any less impactful than a UFO sighting? And he really got it. And he recognized like, wow, you're right. By all accounts, synchronicities are events that should not happen. Mm. They are beyond mere chance. They feel orchestrated by the universe. I've spoken about my owl experience, I suppose, pretty much straight after it actually happened. It would have been, you know, within that week I recorded a podcast and I think it's like my fourth episode. So it's probably not, I I haven't listened back to it, but I'm assuming it's not great, right? And then I've mentioned it again uh, when I had Robin Trish on because we obviously spoke pretty in depth about synchronicity and so on. And the thing about synchronicity in owls and alien abduction, I think it's the most commented thing I receive from people who've listened to the podcast. And and literally only just last week, so I replied to this last Sunday, I had a listener uh, send me a message saying pretty much along the lines of, hey, I just listened to your episode on owls and UFOs and I just wanted to know what, what did you take away from that experience? And I kind of had to think about it just just to put into words, I suppose, because I don't think I'd ever like written it. I'd only really expressed it verbally. So I kind of had to, I read it earlier, I think in that morning, but I had to take a little bit to have a think. And then I sort of replied back just as I kind of said to you, you know, I maybe I've had an experience, uh, kind of just put it into this podcast and so on. And I was just kind of like, "What? why is that? And then he goes on to say that he just had an experience of an hour where he was trying to make a massive decision with his career, you know, whether or not he was doing the right thing. And then 20 seconds later, an owl lands right in front of his car and he had to stop. And then it hopped onto a fence that was parallel to the car. And he reflected on that and then thought about the podcast that I made. And he just sort of thought, well, okay, this is like a very sort of bizarre synchronicity. And he just thinks that it's it definitely helped him make, you know, some sort of choice within his career. And that was literally within a week of, uh, you know, speaking to you now. So it's definitely the thing that even just I get time and time again. So, you know, when we've talked about the sort of influx that you receive, but it's it's definitely out there and on people's minds that, you know, something that I put out, you know, four years ago, it's just this little like fleeting moment, I suppose, in terms of all the hours of my podcast, yet people kind of always come back to that particular thing. Well, and I'm at the, you know, it's it's no longer... Like when people send me an owl story, like I'm seeking them out, you know, like I'm specifically seeking them out. I I ask people to get a hold of me with their owl stories. It's right on the top of my my website. You know, I want to hear your owl stories. So, you know, like I'm asking the universe and I'm getting an answer, you know, like I'm putting it out there. So it's not a surprise that I'm getting all these stories, but the volume of them and the the power of them is just, just magical. Definitely. I'm, just, I'm very curious. I don't think I know your perspective on this, but I'm very curious. What do you think the alien abduction phenomena 
is all about. Have you kind of come to some sort of conclusion in your mind of why and how these abductions are taking place? So there's some researchers, there's like this strata of like researchers, you know, some really go deep, some kind of have a surface. That's a tough one to answer. What often happens is, and often working with a therapist, often working with hypnosis, which is a mess. Like a lot of people just will throw out any research that was done using hypnosis. They just think it's a dangerous tool. But the pattern that shows up, um, John Mack talked about this, is where that's the first time I saw it, which would have been in 97, I think his book came out, his book, Abduction. People will, under hypnosis, they'll go deeper and deeper. And sometimes there's this sort of switch where they'll just like jump to a past life which is actually not unheard of in other kinds of hypnosis too. Like, you know, people will be under hypnosis for trying to quit smoking cigarettes and all of a sudden they'll be like, you know, in you know France in the 1500s or something. And what happens is people will, will realize like, wait a minute, like I'm in this other realm. And they'll sort of come to terms like I have, like I've looked down at myself, I have these long skinny fingers and I'm, I'm not myself and I'm in this other realm and I'm, the people around me are not normal people. I'm, I'm, in a crew of aliens, and I look at myself and I'm a gray alien. That's actually normal, and then they'll, not normal, but it's very consistent in the, certain people's research if they go to that level. And I'm thinking of Joe Lewell, so the hypnotherapist who is, gets this time and time again. And the people will say, I chose to incarnate here on Earth from a past lifetime to play some role. Does that account for 100% of the UFO, people who have UFO contact? I, I don't know. I'm certain, I'm, uh, this is a story that is emerging with some consistency. So one way to frame it, I'm, I dance around this, I'm so cautious to use terms like I know or I believe or anything like that. So all I can say is that there is, in the literature, this is an account that shows up again and again, where people will feel that they incarnated here on earth to play some role and that the UFO contact experience is somehow part of that monitoring, you know, like they're, they're here on earth, totally unknown, you know, without any knowledge of their previous life, yet they are playing some role. Um, and then I will, I'll also say if my third book, I, I write about my own hypnosis experience, which I've gone through. I had, I went to two different hypnotherapists, the exact same story showed up. And, and it's the story I just shared. And it was very distressing. And I don't know what to make of it. Like, I don't want to take it as dogma, as truth, right? So like, I, I could have made it up. I had already read these stories in other books. I could have just confabulated it out of, you know, my, the file cabinets of my brain were full of this stuff. But at this point, I'm seeing the people who have UFO and owl stories when I do interviews with them on the phone or just, I just keep a piece of paper. I write Reiki, like Reiki therapy. I just write it on the paper. I don't take many notes. I put the date and like a few key things on there, but I, and then I write Reiki and I just wait for him to tell me. And, and I, I am, it is not a hundred percent, but it's dang close to a hundred percent where people who have had UFO and owl experiences will say, yeah, I'm a Reiki master. I, 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 uh, I teach Reiki and I, I'm, you know, do Reiki work. So there's this healing. If they're not doing Reiki work, they're they're doing healing work. Uh, and that includes nurses and doctors too. So there is this, I'll go back to the shamanism thing. And I argued this strongly in my second book where we are adrift right now as far as societally. Like 
like, and I feel like I'm going to be, I'm going to use a sort of provocative kind of cartoon analogy in a way where the UFO occupants are flying around in their flying saucers, looking down at earth and they're saying, wow, these people are screwed up. <laughs> they need help. And are they giving us world leaders who will forge a new path for humanity? They might be, but I, but what I'm getting is that they are providing like people who have UFO contact experiences, people, let's say you're abducted by a UFO and then you come back after the abduction, you might be doing it totally unconsciously. You might not remember the abduction until years later, but you'll start doing Reiki therapy, doing other sorts of uh, healing therapies, modalities that would be considered fringy, massage therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists. So people are doing this Reiki-like work they take a step back from, like a shaman has a definition, what you would do as a shaman, but they're doing this shaman-like work and providing healers here on earth. So that's my big picture argument, which I cannot prove at all. I'm just saying this is that's what's floating to the surface in my research. Yeah, I definitely think from your point of view that these abductions definitely aren't random. You know, people are here for the specific reason, for a greater purpose. And it does seem like, even in my research, the different people I've spoken to, it's a lot of them are very tuned in and they have very interesting backgrounds and they're very switched on. I think when I first yeah. started speaking with abductees, I didn't know what I was going to come across. And I have spoken to some, which, you know, are pretty out there and so on. But a lot of people have a very... I don't know, balanced self, I suppose. It's, and it's even, I, speaking to these people, I was like, how, how much interest after you believe you had these experiences have you taken into the actual phenomena? And all of them have, you know, become massive readers and just wanting to know as much as possible. There wasn't really anyone who was just kind of placid and just going, oh, I've had this experience. I don't know. I don't really want to know anything more about it. Everyone was very switched on and, you know, some even saying that, they sort of feel like there is a greater purpose or, you know, they've gotten that message back that, you know, they agreed to this in another life or, you know, there's a lot of different sort of aspects to it. But it does make sense that this isn't just a random phenomenon. And it could be for some, hard to say, but from what I can tell, there's definitely more reason behind it, which would totally make sense if all these people are having these, you know, meaningful coincidences as well. Like it all lines up that it is for a purpose. Yeah, so I had a, which it takes about 40 pages to tell in, in the last chapter of The Messengers, and then I retell it again in a different sort of depth in um, my third book, which is called Hidden Experience, and that's the hypnosis session that where, like, I was presented with this, like, like almost like a conference room where I was, where it was explained, like, like, I, like I came here for this purpose. Now, again, I'm taking a bunch of steps back. I don't know whether to believe that. That event was was around a. Um, I was sleeping out under the stars, and there was a what looked like a um, a round building up on a hill, and it was like next to me. And I even said, like, I'm this is in southern Utah in the desert, and it's this beautiful, magical, barren, sparse landscape, and I'm sleeping all alone. And there's this round structure. I'm like, wow, someone built a house up there, but that looks just like a landed flying saucer. And this big, open, empty desert scape. There were so many synchronicities tied into that night under the stars. Now, that happened on March 10th, 2013. When I got home from that trip, 
which was March 11th, 2013, I started working on a long format essay that later turned into the first book, the first owl book. So, so basically I had a UFO experience, which I now feel is a, some sort of a contact experience. Um, I'll call it abduction. And, and I didn't, I couldn't process it the next day. Like it took me years to process this thing and, and to be able to say that. And I began the book the next day. Now that event on that night the round structure on the hill, under hypnosis, I was somehow aboard that round structure, and I was told that I chose this role to perform for a purpose. And then, so I had that event. The next day, I begin writing the owl book. Wow. Unknowing, un, not knowing that there was a, a contact event that took place. Yeah, wow. It's interesting hearing your experience with hypnosis because, as you said, it is a very muddied sort of water, I suppose. But would you, after having your experience with it, would you recommend it for people? Or, you know, how did you kind of come to the conclusion of, I'm going to try this to see, you know, if I can kind of uncover anything? Well, I had tried it before and I couldn't get past anything. I did it with, with other therapists. I had tried three three times before, couldn't get anywhere. Just basically nothing new came up. A couple little fleeting things came up. A couple, you know, what came up is actually being able to see things really super clearly. Like uh, there was an event I had when I was 12 years old as a boy. Like I remember nothing new came up in the hypnosis, but I remember like being in my neighborhood, like, oh my gosh, I can see the pebbles on the street and this is exactly the corner that I grew up on. And so there was, there was like, like I got vivid imagery. It didn't have anything to do with UFOs, but so there's a power to that, to the hypnosis process. And then I said, okay, I'm not getting anywhere with this. I put it on hold. It was probably, it was, so it was probably 10 years later. I came back and said, I have exhausted everything else. I've written a couple books now. I've, um, I think I, like, I've exhausted, I feel like I've exhausted every other avenue to try to make sense of this. I'll go through hypno, do hypnosis again. And, um, and I, as I said, it's, it's a weird, it's weird. It's like, I, I, you get these little flashes or that's, you know, some people say they see it like a movie. I felt like I was seeing things in like little snapshots and I was saying things out loud that didn't make any sense. So, or that didn't make any sense. Like the hypnotherapist would ask me a question. These words would come out of my mouth and I'm like, why am I saying that? You know, so, so I'm cautious to take it literally, but I'm very open to taking it metaphorically. So that's, I'm much more at peace with that. So as a metaphoric thing, right? So you're, in an old fable and you meet a wizard on the side of the path and the wizard speaks in poetry or gibberish or tells a story that's completely symbolic, like a parable, you know, you have to, then you have to go and parse that out. Like, wow, what is the, what is the deeper meaning to that story? So that's, that's how I frame it. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it as well. It's not the be all and end all, but it's, it's I guess it's, you can look at it as like a piece in the puzzle and then just go from there and see exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. what you can kind of uncover and so on. But yeah, because I'm, I'm always very interested to, uh, I've never been hypnotized, but I'm very curious to see if there was sort of any uh, hidden memory or anything like that sort of to uncover. Doing this interview of you has kind of come full circle, I think now with, you know, I think getting into your research and that sort of really spiraling for me. And that was sort of like, I guess, like my downfall in a sense where I was just like, okay, everything that I'm interested in within the paranormal, I need to start and the, honestly, the, the first podcast I put out was almost like a, like a audio journal 
blog, like uh, entrance. You know, I, I literally came home one day and thought, I'm just going to start recording my thoughts on alien abduction. And that was that was kind of it. And then I was finished recording it and thought, I'm just going to put this online. Not really thinking much about it. And literally the way I came up with the the podcast title was I just titled the the file Paranormal Thoughts because that's literally what it was, <laughs> me talking about the paranormal and my opinion and, you know, my view on it. And that's just kind of where it all came from. So, and since then it's kind of grown to this thing, which it's such a passion project, you know, and I just feel like when I, when I don't do it and I take time off from it, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. I need to be doing it. And, uh, you know, and as I said, you and Robin Trish were very influential just kind of in that time of laying the sort of foundation for what this sort of podcast kind of became. So having all three of you, uh, you know, getting to speak to all three of you, which is just kind of insane. And it was weird too. Like I obviously reached out to you, but um, it was actually Robin Trish who reached out to me because I was living in Brisbane here in Australia and they had a friend who lived in Brisbane and they had heard me mention uh, them on the podcast. So I just got this email one day from someone named Trish and they're like, oh, you know, we heard our friend in Brisbane sent us uh, your podcast. You were mentioned us. I was like, wait, who, who's this email from? I was like, oh my God, it's Trish McGregor. Like she's you know, on the other side of the world, somehow heard, you know, this time the podcast wasn't massive. I was just like, it, you know, it's just, it, everything's just so kind of connected and I don't know. So it's definitely come full circle uh, getting to speak with you here today. So I very much so appreciate it, Mike. Oh, it's been my honor. And it's funny because as soon as you, like I didn't, I, could, I get these calls all the time. Like, hey, do you want to do a t- talk or you want to talk on my podcast or my radio show? I just say yes. I say yes to everyone, you know, and I enjoy it. And I, I didn't look you up or anything like that. But as soon as we started talking, I went like, he's the guy where the owl landed on the on the <laughs> street sign. Like, so I like I kind of figured that out pretty early on. And, and I was like, well, this is this. I remember that letter. So, um, yeah, it's been I mean, I did the same thing. Like I started a, I started a podcast um, and other, what I said, that was my own therapy. Like yeah. I couldn't afford like going to a therapist. <laughs> and if I went to a therapist, they would think I was crazy because I would say like, here's what I think is happening to me. I think I've had these UFO contact experiences. So I actually tried doing that, going to a therapist and saying that it didn't work out very well. So I was like, <laughs> oh, I got to do something else. So I did a podcast, which was in a lot of ways uh, kind of irresponsible, you know, like to just talk about this stuff so openly <laughs> to such a wide audience. But it, it's been exactly the opposite. It's been surprisingly therapeutic. Yeah. And heartening, and I've met some amazing people. So I understand what it means to start this thing, and it's, um, yeah, it, it, you know, more power to you. Well, you know, and that's it. It's it's definitely therapeutic, and I don't know. It's and even just you know those few people who've kind of reached out and said you know from hearing certain things, it's kind of helped them to sort of figure out where they're sort of sitting. So I'm like, man, if that's if that's what it's doing, I'm like, I'll forever do it if it's giving people something and potentially helping and and, and like getting to speak with people like yourself it gives it all more reason you know just to come together and actually you know have this open conversation oh yeah I and mean, that's that was the joy of it for me was that you know you could like wow i want to talk to this person like i can't just call them up but i can invite them on a podcast yeah. and they'll say yes so i got to speak to brad steiger and i've got to speak to um you know i've spoke to you know luminaries and legends in the field that are some of them who have since passed and i just like i'm so grateful i went ahead and did it and just reached out and talked to him. Thank you once again, Mike. Uh, this is Oh, it's my pleasure. It, my pleasure. It was, yeah, definitely very, felt very, yeah, as I said, kind of coming full circle and just, I don't know, great to finally get to speak to you about, 
you know, your experiences, my experiences, and you know, a bunch of other people's as well. That's what I love about this interview as well. You even I didn't even have to ask you to go into some experiences. They just kind of kept popping up, you know, mid-sentence, which is great because I think that's the most exciting thing about this whole chat. It's just these like little stories that, you know, if people aren't familiar with this whole sort of phenomena, they're gonna their eyes are gonna be opened after hearing this interview. I think so. Uh, yeah, greatly appreciated, Mike. My pleasure. Well, there you go. That was probably one of the biggest moments for me personally on this podcast just getting to speak with Mike you know about my experiences his experiences his whole insight into this field it's really fascinating he's a very he's a very unique researcher I think he definitely has separated himself uh, from the masses in this field so it was super exciting and he's super you know just down to earth and he is a massive influence on this podcast especially when it was first starting when it really you know was just nothing and you know I'm so proud of uh where I've kind of gotten to up to this point and you know without people like Mike Cleland and so on who kind of influenced me and I don't know I guess just gave me that drive to do this podcast and it just wouldn't exist so thank you once again to Mike you can check out Mike's links in the description of this podcast and also you can check out all the Paranormal Thoughts podcast links in the description of the podcast as well thank you so much again to Mike and thank you guys so much for listening I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll catch you in another podcast really soon thanks bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.